This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the No Name Never podcast. I am your host Natalie Bromley and this week, due to lots and lots and lots of fixtures, we are once again doing a mashup of our analysis show and our preview show. Joining us from the analysis show is our colleague George Poole and of course our preview show king, the main man himself, live in the studio, it is Dave Statman Roberts. Gentlemen, hello and welcome to the show. The point Hello, out. Natalie. Hello, George. Say, Listeners, how long have we been doing this podcast? And we sat here, I'm saying hello to bring them in. And they're both waving at me through the camera. It's like, it's, it's radio, guys. You need to talk. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. We are, of course, going to cover, we've just about got our breaths back from that emotional roller coaster of an evening at home against Rotherham. Back to back, last gasp winners. Oof. Not really sure. It, well, actually, Josh Brownell said this on social media today, and I tend to agree with him, Josh. Not quite sure we can do that again. Uh, but before we get on to that, and before we get on to our next fixture in the championship, we have a little quiz question. As ever, we're going to open our show with and give you an answer. So before we were doing our previous show for that Rotherham game, Dave asked us this little stinker. Which player scored Burnley's first last-minute winner which he defines as 90th minute or added time of the 21st century, and which team did we beat? Dave, I want from you, please, the correct answer and whether we had any correct submissions. Well, you thought this one was a stinker, Natalie, but quite a few uh, people were in touch and got it correct. The correct answer we were looking for was Ian, right, right, right. And he scored a last-minute winner at Turf Moor at the cricket field end. That was against Notts County in uh, the year 2000. It was. Um, Shows, uh, we've known this for a long time, but Dave, I, I know nothing. That's why. So don't listen to me. Who got it right? Uh, we had correct answers from John Robertson, uh, Jan Gedzaleski, Adrian Caton, David Entwistle, uh, MJP on Twitter, and our very own Tom Whitaker. 
Indeed. Well, I got myself into bother this week, Dave, with a quiz show. I'm always getting myself into bother with a quiz show one way or the other. Right, so exactly. John Robertson slapped me on the wrist for giving Adrian last week um, points that he apparently shouldn't have got. Uh, apparently that wasn't fair and that was a stinker. So I'm in trouble with John Robertson, aren't I always? But I am now. And I'm also in trouble with our very own Tom Whitaker as well, because I missed him last week. He did, in fact, submit the correct answer, but I missed it because he, he put it in our group chat, which, quite frankly, listeners, gets out of control. You know, you can go away from your phone for 10 minutes and you come back and there's 300 messages and it's people talking about, the, well, the team talking about the biggest amount of nonsense you've ever seen. So uh, I ignored him. And I'm sorry, Tom, but there you go. Um but let's move on. We don't need to worry about that. What do we want to talk about? George Poole, have you got your breath back after last night? Goodness me. Yeah, I was just, I was just, my breath was taken aback by the the quiz question then. I'd, I'd guessed Gift and Noel Williams just because this was completely before my time. And when you said Ian Wright 2000, I think it was probably before I was born. Uh, so I was, I was, I've just been frantically trying to Google whether it was before September 2000 or, or whether it was after, whether I was actually around. Um, so yeah, you can that, go off, I, people. I've warned you about being smug about your youth before. So I, I, I struggled with that one, but my youth came in handy last night because I wasn't feeling too stiff this morning after jumping up and down my living room <laughs> in Bath. Um, oh, it was incredible. There was, and yes, it, was, it was it made all the more sweeter by I think there's probably two Burnley fans in Bath, and we were both watching it in my oh, house uh, last night. So, so there was a bit more. It, it was actually celebrating with people who actually wanted Burnley to win last night. So yes. it made a nice change. And after I was at the game on Saturday against Reading, which was fantastic to celebrate the last minute winner, but. It was it was just as good last night, especially after coming back from from a goal down on two occasions. I mean, yeah. right, you just you just can't script script it. I think it was probably Dave who tweeted this week that we hadn't scored a last minute uh, injury time winner since 2016, and then we've got two in a week. Two in so, a week, yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's 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 been fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what I loved most about that winning goal, George? In my, and I think our own Rich Steele put this in our group thread. Imagine that goal being scored in the Premier League. Imagine not being able to celebrate like we did because we've got to wait because every single goal is reviewed by VAR. Imagine not having that euphoria that we had last night. And I can tell you it was the roof lifted off Turf Moor. I was, my hands were still shaking after about 10 minutes. It was such an amazing thing. And I was just laughing quite a lot because I thought it was hilarious. Um, Dave, like backtrack though, before we got to the winner, before we got to that um, fantastic result, what an odd night of football. A team who have been flying and doing incredibly well, just completely out of sorts from the kickoff, really. Well, it was, yeah, no, uh, hit by a sucker punch from an early goal. Uh, poor marking for the for the header. Awful for their marking. Goal. Awful. Inside the first three minutes, and uh, I think even when the early goal went in, there wasn't any panic around the place. You thought that, yeah, it's it, that's happened, but we can do something about this. We got the equaliser before half time. You thought, well. Yeah, we've done that. We're going to go on and we're going to uh, dominate the game in the second half. But then same thing happened again. Very, very poor back pass intercepted and a, a scuff shot, wasn't it, for their uh, their second goal, just sort of crept in uh, off the post. But they all count. Um, and then we're up against it again. We knew we had to come from behind. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the the tactics, though, we have to mention the, uh, the tactics from the opposition. Oh, go ahead, the, uh, do it. Le- level of time wasted from the goalkeeper, every single injury. I mean, the, the referee 
wasn't perfect last night. The one thing he did get right was adding the time on in both halves. He added uh, five minutes on, I think, in the first half and 10 in the second half, which was uh, correct, you know, for, for once. You quite often see referees who don't have the correct amount of time on. He did seem to at least acknowledge that was going on and did, um, and well, added the, the correct amount of time on. And that kind of came back to bite them in the end. They can't really complain too much if they're doing all the time wasting. And then the goal scored in the uh, the 10th minute of, uh, of added time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. And I think we've been frustrated with a lot of referee performances this season. Um, and I thought last night the referee particularly struggled. I don't, I don't think it was just necessarily decisions that he got wrong, George. But for me... He wasn't strong enough. He didn't stamp his authority on the game. I think. Do you think that's fair? I think he he was letting players walk all over him. He wasn't strong enough with his with his what's. I don't, I don't really articulate what I mean. It's very. He was very weak. I think that that's where I thought with him. Yeah, it was. It's an interesting one. I think it's sort of symptomatic of the the game in in as in football uh, in general, really, and that the referees don't. <laughs> Thank you for the clarifying, ref- George. Yeah, the referees. <laughs> Referees just don't have the respect of the players, particularly. They don't have the respect of the managers. I mean, um, <laughs> funnily enough, when on a Tuesday night, um, we are on Thursday, on Tuesday night when I was at the Bristol City game, after the game, Nigel Pearson came into the tunnel and the first thing he said was, those effing referees, uh, obviously <gasps> I'll try not to swear, uh, ruining ruining our game, absolutely ruining it. And I, and I just thought it's just symptomatic of the game as a whole. The referees don't have much respect. So I think I think they're fighting a losing battle. If you watch, say, the Rugby World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup that's happening at the moment, players listen to the referees. So even if they think they got a decision wrong, they'll listen to them. Whereas in football, you know, you'll just get 10 men around a referee at times. So I think it's a struggle for them. But I think for me... I'm echoing Dave's thoughts, really, in that he gave five minutes in the first half and ten at, at full-time. And normally, that's a big gripe you've got. You think, oh, I expected him to give maybe four four minutes added time. And when it came to the ten additional minutes, fair play to him. After we did score the goal, now, in my living room, we were all going, blow the whistle, that's it, finish, ref. You know, we've had our ten minutes now. But to be fair to him, he played on till I think it was about 12 and a half minutes because there was stoppages in injury time. So not only did he get the 10 minutes right, but he actually played played the, the 10 minutes uh, properly. So, no, I, I have not too many bad things to say about the referee last night. And I don't mind when a game gets scrappy and gets a bit messy. So it was an enjoyable one. And for all for all we can complain about Rotherham's tactics, it's just funny in hindsight. Like, it's just very funny, yeah, given that we won. Completely agree. Um, Dave, one thing that um, I did find a bit fascinating last night is our centre-halves, um, love them both. I love this Bayer and, and THB combo. But there's no middle ground with them. They're either sensational or absolutely rank. And last night, it was like they'd never played together. Um, I think th- there were moments where they, they probably weren't helped by the, uh, the 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 fullbacks to some extent. I thought Vitinho had a, yeah. a, a poor game, and that kind of does you know affect the unit, doesn't it? You talk you talk about the defensive unit if you've got sort of um, weaknesses on on either flank, then that can also have a, a a ripple effect, can't it, out to the rest of the back four? So I think that uh, that perhaps was going on a little bit, but yeah, it just caught on the break twice, weren't we? Really, with the yeah. uh, the two goals, and uh, credit to to Rotherham, they 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 came and they they took advantage of those moments which they needed to do, kept them in the game, but it wasn't quite enough for them in the end. 
Yeah. Uh, George, I guess just generally speaking, not just necessarily the Rotherham game last night, but on a scale of one to a thousand, how much in love are you with Manuel Benson and Anna Sorori? Oh, yeah. Well, this is so I say to my housemates, I say Zorori is just a regenerated hazard. Just picture Doctor Who oh, and picture Hazard, who's, picture Hazard who's finished <laughs> now, just, you know, bursting with golden flags, generating it back as Anna Sorori. And then on Topical. the wing, somebody's just watched the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then picture and then picture Benson on the other wing. He's just like a, a Lionel Messi, really, with his with that wand of a left foot. Um it's just an absolute joy to watch them play. And I do feel a bit smug because when Benson did first come, I said there's a real player there and he's he's flourished uh in the last yeah, few years. I mean, it's just it's so much fun to watch in that they attack a fullback and Benson, it doesn't come off all the time. With Zorori, you you maybe see one once a game where he'll attack, attack a fullback and he won't get past them. Yeah. Now, last night, it was the number 10 uh, for Rotherham, who the poor lad, he was he was absolutely... Norton Cuffey. Norton Cuffey, that was it there, right back. I mean, I just felt sorry for him. Yeah. I, I think at one point in the second half, he went down with cramp and I thought, yeah, he's he's, he's blagged one in there because he just wants <laughs> to get off. Zorori just had him all game. It just go. It's it's the way both of them. They're not necessarily the quickest of players. Like um, like I remember when we had Enkudu, uh, who could just sort of just run because he was that fast. But it's it's their acceleration from a standing start that gets them past the fullback, and it's just it's amazing to watch. And not only has Zorori, his final ball has obviously been superb in recent weeks, but that's one the thing that I think has most improved about Benson. Um, yes. In in that he's just. His final delivery at the moment is fantastic. It's a perfectly way to cross. I mean, you can't say enough about his his assist at the weekend against Reading, which was just amazing the way he danced past all those players. But he basically did he, he did for his for the goal for the second equaliser yesterday. The way he just danced into the box and put it into the far corner yet again. It's just oh, it's it's magical to watch. I, I just can't get enough of it. It's brilliant. Love it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you be decisive now, Dave. Pick one. Who's your favourite? Which wing, Benson or Zorori? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> I think, Ooh, I think need, maybe need Benson to be playing 90 minutes. I mean, he's obviously playing oh, okay, that's fair. A, an impact sub. Um, I think that's maybe where I don't know whether it's a fitness thing, whether it's a tactics thing, or what what the thinking is behind that. Um, but we need to be in a position really where hopefully we have both players playing from the start and then perhaps we can judge a little bit better. So I'll I'll sit on the fence for that one. So what, that's not like you, Dave. Not like you to sit on the fence. Goodness me. George is going to give you a bit of abuse for this. He's just gearing up to it. Yeah, well, I, I, I actually, I, I get the temptation to start Benson, but I, I, I want him to stay on the bench for same. the time being. Yeah, I'm the same. It's just because... He's he's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but he's made not made to look even better, but it suits his game more in that we just tire opposition out for 60 minutes. Yeah. And they are they're absolutely goosed by the time he comes on because they've been running after the ball uh, you know, for for 60 minutes. And when he comes on, the, the opposition's just obviously they're so tired that when he runs at them, they can't keep up with with his with his yard of pace. So I really do like Benson, Benson off the bench at the moment because not only because Benson's more suited to coming off the bench and changing the game, but I also just really, really like Goodmanson. I think he's having 
one of his best spells in the team in maybe three, four years because he's not only is he, you know, he's, he's on the ball, he's fantastic. He's always been a good player, but it's the way he's committed at the moment. You can tell he's fully fit. The way I tend to judge Good, Goodmanson is if there's like a 50-50 and he's really going in hard for it, then he's confident in his body that he's, you know, at full fitness and he can play football freely. So I've, I've been really impressed with Goodmanson. And for our equaliser yesterday, our first equaliser, it was that bit of magic from his left foot uh, to play that ball across to Teller who could then just square it easily to J-Rod. So yeah, Benson I'd keep on the bench at the moment and Zorori, I just can't sing his praises high enough. I was, uh, I was pondering earlier, I was thinking, just cast your minds back to the summer when Zorori signed and he was like, the sixth winger or something silly we'd, we'd signed and we hadn't signed a striker. And we were all at this point going, oh, really? I just, I, yeah, I'm at the point yeah, now where right? I just way. don't want him. To, I just don't want him to sign. I, I hope this deal falls through because we don't need another winger. And now look at us. We're all in love with this little Belgian winger who looks 16 <laughs> but plays like Eden Hazard at his prime. So, yeah, it's just a delight to watch them both. But keep Benson on the bench for me for yeah, the time I, being. I agree. I agree. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, well, let's move on from last night. Um, and because I could literally talk for ages about this, I could, and I'm, I'm going to take particular enjoyment about Rotherham fans crying. Uh, but let's not do that. Let's not be cruel. Let's not be smug. Let's move on. Um, we've all been there. We've been there plenty of times. So we're not going to... We're not going to get. We're not going to be those fans, guys. We're going to move on. We're going to have a look ahead to Sheffield United because this is a bigger. This is going to be a really tough test. We are away at the weekend, so Saturday three pm kickoff again at the Blades. Now, Dave, we're going to come on to talk about the game in a little bit, but before we do that, let's have some stats from you, please. Starting off with the Championship head to head. Yeah, well, Burnley have spent a total of forty-seven seasons in the second tier of English league football. And in 19 of those seasons, including the current campaign, we've been joined by Sheffield United. In addition, we spent another 36 seasons together with the Blades in the top flight, another two in the third tier. But it's our 18 previous second tier away games we'll be focusing on for this feature. The two teams had already faced each other in many top flight matches, but it wasn't until the 1930s that our paths met in the second division. Burnley failed to win on any of the five visits to Bramall Lane in that decade, losing three and drawing two. And it wasn't until the second half of the 1970s that we went there again for a second division match. Once again, the results were no better, with three more away defeats in consecutive seasons between 1976-77 
and 1978-79. That trend continued through to our next second-tier visit to Bramall Lane. That was a 2-0 defeat in February 1995. And things didn't improve in the early part of the 21st century either, as the travelling Claret suffered five more away defeats in a row in five league matches played there between 2001 and 2005. We did at least begin to stop the rot in November 2007 with a goalless draw and finally tasted victory in December 2008, when a makeshift Burnley side hit by injury and suspension, especially in defence, managed a very creditable 3-2 victory with goals from Martin Patterson, a Graham Alexander penalty and another from Chris Eagles. Of course, we went on to face the Blades twice more uh, in that season, at Turf Moor and then at Wembley, but we'll be more about that a little later on. Uh, we faced each other more recently in the Premier League, but our most recent championship visit was just over 12 years ago in October 2010. That match was goalless at half-time, but we shared six second-half goals, as Dean Marnie and a Chris Eagles penalty gave us a 2-0 lead, only to be pegged back with goals from Daniel Bogdanovich and a certain Matt Lowton. Uh, we thought we'd won it when Jay Rodriguez shot us into a 90th-minute lead. But the Blades found the last gasp equaliser in the fourth minute of added time through Mark Yates, who sent a shot past Brian Jensen to ensure that the points were shared. As you will have gathered, Bramall Lane is somewhat of a bogey ground for the Clarets, with just one win and five draws from our previous 18 second-tier visits and defeats in the remaining 12 matches. Let's hope we can put that poor past record to one side this Saturday afternoon. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope that we can. Uh, well, before today's game, Dave, you let us have some um, stats about teams that have played for both. Um, and there were quite a few players on this one. I'm going to kick us off with certain players who jumped out of me. And of course... No played for both feature would be complete without a reference to the the delight that is Samuel Vaux. So obviously he very much stuck out for me. Um, what about you, George? Any particular player player favourites on there that you uh, you picked out? Yeah, I think so. I think looking at the list right now, it's going to be. I'm I'm saying this slightly to be a bit unusual, but Stephen Jordan. Um, I love Stephen Jordan. The, yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed watching Stephen Jordan when around that 2009, uh, 2008 or 9, 10 sort of spell. I really did used to like uh, Stephen Jordan. I remember when we were, was it when we were going for promotion in 08 or 09 and it was sort of him and Calvin Ez who, who interchanged at that left-back position. And yeah, so I, I, Stephen Jordan was one that stood out to me. There were some names on the list, uh, obviously like Vox you've just mentioned there, who I thought they've played for Sheffield United. I mean, I'm just looking now and I thought... Sam Vaux, I didn't expect that. David Edgar, he played thirty six times for, for, no, for Sheffield United. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming. And to be honest, most of the the ones from my era, uh, you know, in the last ten years, 10, 15 years, I wouldn't have pegged for playing for Sheffield United. It's not a team that I, I see as like having uh, interconnectivity with Burnley uh, like during my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, but Stephen Jordan's the one that stuck out to me and. I really liked, um, I think it was Burnley did a feature for, is it uh, Black History Month recently about Adiak Mbaye. Yeah, uh, so that's, that. a, that's a name that obviously, what what a moment he provided at Chelsea away. That's one of the biggest memories I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ev of ever watching Burnley, never mind just uh, Akinbaye. So yeah, there's a few names that stuck out for me for me on there. But what about you, Dave? What, who, uh, who's who's sticking I mean, out for you? 
You, you mentioned Adi Akinbay. Another uh, player there was a feature on recently, uh, Burnley Football Club, John Francis. He played uh, 42 times for uh, Sheffield United, obviously played a lot more for Burnley, 225 uh, total appearances, 177 in the league. Um, Adrian Heath uh, had a short spell at uh, Sheffield United, played a lot more for Burnley. Um, the, I mean, of the players on the list, most of them have played a lot more for Burnley than for Sheffield United. Uh, Matt Lowton, though, he's, he sticks out. Um, he's obviously played uh, 95 games for the Blades, uh, over 200 now for uh, for Burnley. Um, but yeah, he had a. We mentioned him in the uh, the, the games previous. He he scored against uh, Burnley as well. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, hang on, who does see that? I don't remember Kevin McDonald going to. Was that pre or post Burnley, Dave? Do we know? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think it might have been after. Oh, I think it has to be after that. It must has yeah, to be. Must we, got be. we got him when he was young. It has yeah. to be come from Wolves, Santi. So I'm pretty sure it's after, before yeah. he went to Fulham, because I'm pretty sure that was around the time they were flirting League One and Championship. I mean, he's made, what is it, 77 appearances. So it's one of them. Again, I wouldn't have pegged him to play for Sheffield United. No. He was clearly there for a considerable, considerable amount of time. And I'm not going to go too much off topic here, but I did... Um, randomly it came to my head I was telling a story the other day of remember when Kevin McDonald went off at 5-0 at half time against City um, and the person I was telling it to just wouldn't believe me and I was like no, yeah, yeah this is it's, it's hard to, to look back at that but you think sometimes it was an urban myth but it genuinely did happen and you think my God, it was like it was such a bold thing at the time. You just think, well, no wonder his career nose died. Um, moving on, Dave. Let's can you uh, let us have what memory match you've picked then for this fixture, please? Uh, yeah, we mentioned earlier that Burnley's only win in eighteen previous second tier matches at Bramall Lane uh, was in that was in the two thousand eight two thousand nine season. Um, but as well as the reverse fixture at Turf Moor later in the campaign, which Burnley also won, the two teams would meet again on the biggest stage of all, Wembley Stadium, at the end of that campaign. And we went toe-to-toe for the chance to win a place in the Premier League. And it's that Championship playoff final from May 2009, which has been selected as our memory match for this episode. Um, it had been 15 long years since Burnley fans had the chance to see their heroes at Wembley long enough for them to knock down the old Twin Tower Stadium and build a brand new one in its place. Uh, many who made the trip in 2009 had also been there in 1994, and hopes were high that we could come away with another memorable win. At uh, This time, the prize on offer was massive, not only a place at the top table of English football, but also the financial rewards of Premier League football. It had been 33 long years since Burnley had played in the top flight. And there were many of those at Wembley in 2009 who hadn't even been born when the Clarets were relegated from the First Division in 1976. Uh, After a slightly overcast morning, sunshine was the order of the day, and almost half of the stadium was filled with expectant Clarets, with half the town seemingly making the trip down south. Any nerves there might have been were calmed slightly in the 13th minute when Wade Elliott set off on a run from his own half and beat a couple of players before passing to Chris McCann. Although his progress was stopped by a tackle on the edge of the box, the ball came back to Elliot, who curled a terrific shot beyond the reach of Paddy Kenny to send over 35,000 Burnley fans into absolute ecstasy. There were one or two heart-in-the-mouth moments be- uh, between the goal and the final whistle, but the Clarets were very professional in seeing out the result to ensure the season had the perfect ending. Uh, well, we've not managed to get an opposition view this week. I think the Blades fans are all a little bit too scared about the fixture to come on and talk to us. 
we must all be too terrified of the mighty clarets coming to town. So we're going to move straight on to talk about our referee, please. Dave, who's going to be official? Who's going to be giving us VK time this week? Uh, we've got Darren Bond of Ormskirk. He's going to be the referee for Saturday afternoon's match. Uh, he took charge of our 1-1 draw with Luton Town at Turf Moor back in early August. And his only other Burnley match, which was also at Turf Moor, uh, was also a draw. Uh, the final score on that occasion was 2-2. That was against Leeds United in the Carabao Cup in September 2017, although Burnley were knocked out after an unsuccessful penalty shootout. Uh, Darren Bond's first championship match was back in 2013, and he's been on the Select 2 group of officials since 2016. So he'll know what to expect at a noisy Bramall Lane. Yeah, definitely. Um how are we feeling then, Georgie boy? Let's come to you first. Or are we going to go behind and then just let them play catch up, or then we give ourselves a chance? Are actually going to go ahead and and win this one? Give me your thoughts ahead of the Sheffield United game. Well, I think personally, this is our toughest game of the season yes. today. I think absolutely. I think there's two. There are the two best teams in the championship, and those teams are playing at Bramall Lane on Saturday. Now, wow. Sheffield United, ever <laughs> <laughs> the professional, that was a nice transition, I'd have thought. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so us, Sheffield United are somewhat like us uh, in recent weeks in that even when things aren't going totally their way, even though they're not playing too well, at Bristol City on Tuesday night, they were. Bristol City were absolutely all over them in the first half. Sheffield United improved somewhat in the second half, but weren't anything special. But guess what? They came away with a 1-0 win. And the, the, that the, sounds that familiar, kind of George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're that kind of team that, that that can pick up a result. They've got so much experience in that squad from, from going up from the Championship before, playing in the Premier League. And they've sprinkled it with some you know good talent here and there. But you've still got the likes of Billy Sharp, um, Chris, Chris Basham, Terrific player. Um, you know, they've got a really good squad, a mean defence. And I mean, I try not to read too much into some statistics, but when I'm just looking at the league table here, um, at goal difference, everyone's hovering between minus five and six. Uh, Burnley have obviously got a goal difference of 17. And Sheffield United have got a goal difference of 13. I think it just goes to show that there's serious quality in both squads. And I really like the managerial setup at, at Sheffield United. Heckingbottom's a, a, an unusual one to me. He comes across as a dour man, a, 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 a quite a miserable man. But I feel like he's a bit different behind closed doors because he get he gets them going. But Stuart McCall is his assistant manager, and he's a man with bags of experience. When he's on the touchline, it's McCall who's drilling them, shouting across the pitch, and he just seems to have a a really good setup to push for a promotion charge. Now that being said, so do we. Yes. So I'm expecting a really competitive game on Saturday. And I think it'll be one that will be really interesting to watch as a neutral because you've got the Championship's two best teams there. And I'll take a draw if you offered it to me right now. Mm. Let's just keep that unbeaten run going. And if we can get out of Bramall Lane with a point, I think it'll be a very valuable one heading into the big game next weekend. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about the big game. I'm, I'm denying that that's happening just yet. Uh, Dave, what do you do well, if you're VK about the... <laughs> what do you do if you're VK about the second central midfield dilemma in the space of a week? Do we just put uh, Bastian back in there alongside Cork? I think that's probably accepted as being what we're going to do with Brownhill being suspended. 
Yeah, I thought Bastian had a good game against uh, yeah, Reading on Saturday, so I think he's uh, well placed to to slot in there. Obviously, losing uh, Josh Brownhill uh, to a suspension was uh, disappointing, but we do have the the depth of squad for players to come back in, so I think he'll uh, he'll do well. Yeah, good. Um, Jay going off last night with a niggle was a worry. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's one of those where when when the games are coming thick and fast, it, he's he's the sort of player where maybe you wouldn't risk him if, uh, if if he's been on for you know played the games that he has and if if there is any doubt. Um, we do need to see. Um, they're going to have to see in, in the last training before the game and make a decision on it. So, um, they'll be best placed to uh, to make that decision at the time. It will be interesting to see on Saturday what's ha- what happens there. And I thought this was a, a perfect opportunity to mention the name Halil Durfis Ogley. Oh. We've not, we've somehow we've not mentioned we've not mentioned no, him tonight. But, but I thought both strikers who came on uh, who came on last night played really well. I thought Barnes was really really impressive. And I tell I'm you so what, the roof the roof came off at Oldfield Park uh, where I live when he scored that screamer when he turned. He, it was almost I don't want to say the name, but it was like Shearer esque the way he just absolutely smashed it into the top corner. But but. But we didn't realise it was offside, but I think he's just taken a lot of confidence on that because that he kicked on then in the game. And he, I mean, heck, that, that scorpion kick. I mean, what a winner that would have been. Wow. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I was impressed by Barnes. But the reason I brought Barnes up wasn't just to, you know, big up my uh, one of my favourite players. But it was when Dervis Oglu got the winner, I was just thinking, what a moment for Dervis Oglu. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I imagine the roof really did come off at turf. Yeah, I could. Did. I could, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm jealous. I wasn't there, but when Dervis Ogley was running down towards the, uh, the long side, or should we call it the north stand now? Because that's stupidly what the they're insisting on calling it. It's the long but side. When he ran towards the long side, Barnsley uh, was like raising his arm and pointing at the crown and pointing at Dervis Ogley, like, you know, a put like, well, you know, this is the man. He's done it, and the crowd responded. And I thought, what a moment! So. I think it'd be interesting to see if Dervis Oglu starts on Saturday because well, that was going to be my question actually, George. That's where I was heading with this actually before you came in. Yeah. Like, if 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 Jay has taken a niggle and needs to be out, who do you put? Do you do Teller and Barnes or Teller and Dervis Oglu? Well, this is the thing. I, I think I'd personally actually not to backtrack on what I've just said. I would personally start Barnes, but that's only because Sheffield United are a very physical back line the likes of Chris Basham I mean I stood next to him on Tuesday night and he must have been seven foot five I got gosh knows I didn't see the top of him but they've got a really physical back line so I probably would start with Barnes but I just wanted to mention that Dervis Oglu has impressed uh, especially against Norwich when he came on last week and then score the winner last night what a moment so who knows maybe take that confidence into Saturday start the game and score the winner That'd yeah, right, you, you kind of look at it, don't you? And you do wonder whether he just needed that goal. Needed that goal. Uh, Dave, want to give me a score prediction then, please? 1-1. One, one. Oh, for God's sake, why do I ever ask you for a score prediction? 1-1. One, one. Okay, you can have that one. <laughs> we, we haven't had one for ages. Would you a 1-1? One, one? Like three days. <laughs> three games. Sorry, not three days. Three games. George, what's your score prediction? So Sheffield United are going to take the lead through Billy Sharp after 33 minutes. And we're going to go into half-time, 1-0 down. But in the second half, we're going to bring Benson on. Uh, Dervis Ogley is going to come off the bench. And in the 76th minute, um, Jack Cork is going to get the equaliser. And we're going to come away from Bramall Lane with a 1-0 draw. 
Well, listeners, I asked for specificity. I didn't quite expect that level of detail, but that's what you get when you bring young George Poole on the podcast. You get extra. Um, I'm going to... What am I going to do for Bromers Bankers this week? I am going... I think... Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be a draw. I think we're going to edge it. I'm going to say it is going to be 2-1, but I think we're going to score a late goal again. So I'm going to go with 2-1 to the Mighty Clarets. Um, listeners, if you are... Um, taking advantage of Bromers bankers, please gamble responsibly and please use free bets where you can. I don't encourage you to spend any of your hard-earned money on anything I have to say because I talk nonsense. But too well. Don't, don't, you have to get a, don't you have to get a prediction right before anyone can take advantage of it? I'm going to pretend. Matt, edit, edit out this. There's talking nonsense. Anyway, moving swiftly on, listeners. If you do all listen to this before the game of the weekend, do give me. A shout and let me know what your goal prediction is, please, for this game. Even go as detailed as young George did. Give us some timings. Give us some players. Let us know what you think is going to happen. Uh, Dave, before we move on to wrap up this week's preview show, I'm going to ask you, as ever, to treat our listeners and leave them with a little bit of a gift. It's coming up to the gift-giving time of the year, so let's be generous. Can you, as ever, dive deep into those pockets of yours and give our listeners your miscellaneous stat of the week? Yeah, this time I've got a quick stat for you and then something a little bit different. Uh, quick stat first. Uh, Burnley have now scored 35 goals in the first 19 league games of the season. That's actually one more than the 34 goals we managed in twice as many matches in the entirety of last season in the Premier League. Um, and on to the little bit different. Uh, in our last episode, my stat of the week was all about last, last gasp Burnley winners. And after waiting so long for one, rather like the old saying about London buses, we get another one in the very next game. However, they don't get much later than Halil Dervisoglu's winner on Wednesday, which was scored in the 10th minute of added time. Uh, the Burnley Stats match database records a goal in the last minute or added time as 90, without any further details about how late in added time the goal was scored. So for a change, I'm going to throw out a challenge to our listeners this week. Instead of our regular quiz question, I want to ask if anyone can recall a Burnley goal that was scored later than the 10th minute of added time. And if so, who scored it and when? Please do get in touch and let us know your suggestions. So, you know, I don't want to spoil a surprise or anything here, Dave, but I'm guessing that given you've set them that challenge, the answer isn't going to be there wasn't one. I'm suggesting there's probably going to be one. No, the the answer is I've got no idea, which is why I'm asking for oh, suggestions. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't recall Hold that information for that detail. So. Dave, we get to that point of the season where we're asking our listeners to do your job for you. Is this what's yes, going on here? Excellent. I love it. <laughs> Big fan of your style. Well, listeners, there you go. That also means that that brings this week's podcast up to an end. We don't have um, a Fantasy Premier League update for you yet because we're in the middle of game weeks. Um, and we don't have a quiz because Dave's sent you off to do his job for you instead. So there you go. That will be your challenge for this week, listeners. Um, everybody who is travelling to, uh, to Sheffield for the game at the weekend, please do take care. Um, cheer on the boys. We'll, I think quite a few of the not another team will be there. Um, cheer on the boys and bring back those three points and stay safe, everybody. Um, in the meantime, take care of yourselves and take care of others. This has been the Non and Ever podcast. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. 
The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.